Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Stress Bucket Solutions. Here we are for another episode. I just love recording this podcast. I just love it. It's such an easy way for me to get information out there. And I hope you've been enjoying listening to it as well. And my randomness sometimes when I flit from one subject to another. But I try to keep it all very much based on the solution focused theory and practice. And that's what I want to talk about today. What do we do? Because I say I'm solution focused. What do you do when there's no solution? If you're new to this podcast, I'm Jin Lally. I'm a solution focused therapist. I'm based in Edinburgh. I work online over Zoom with clients all around the world, mainly the UK and Europe, uh, English speaking countries. And I pride myself on being a therapist that doesn't need to dig deep into your problems. It's about solutions going forward. So this is, like I said, the theme of in particular today's episode. So what do I mean by is there no solution? Now, this episode is a result of a question that has come up two or three times in the last two or three weeks. And you know, when the universe is telling you something, you're like, okay, I I need to address this. So I have had people ask me in a variety of different ways at questions at webinars and privately as well. And my clients in in private sessions have asked me as well, Jin, what do I do when there's no solution? By this, what they often mean is, and I've had this with a few inquiries, if you have got something in your life that is hugely stressful and traumatizing, for example, chronic or terminal illness, there is something going on either in your life or in a loved one's life. You are looking after someone with a chronic or terminal illness. What do you do that? How can you be solution focused about that? You know, obviously the solution is we wish that this chronic or terminal illness did not exist, but it does. Unfortunately, this is life. Now, because I'm solution focused, this does not mean I am problem phobic. Solution focused therapy, yes, in that phrase, maybe we need to reframe it a little bit. We're focused on solutions, but I do appreciate sometimes there isn't a solution. That doesn't mean that we can't help in solution focus work. When people first come to me, I need to know where are you right now? What is the problem? How is it built up? So, you know, you're, you're going to give me your summary on, you know, well, it's just a, a, an, a lot of stress of life, Jin, or I had a traumatic incident, or I've got lots going on right at the moment with all of this, Jin, and I I just can't cope. You know what the problem is. By being solution focused, what that means is we're not going to dwell in it, but we're going to look at what do we want instead. So if you've got a chronic or terminal illness or someone in your family has got this, and I have been dealing with some of this this week, I've got friends who have had a diagnosis for their partner, which has been absolutely tragic. I'm a heart breaking. And they're still coming to me because, uh, and talking to me because they know I'm not, it's not going to, it's not all rainbows and unicorns here. Being solution, solution focused doesn't mean that, oh yeah, well, it's lovely. That's toxic positivity. We cannot deny these things in our life. These are things that are happening. So the solution here in these kind of cases is how can you cope and manage and deal with this situation? If you were your best self, how would you be coping with this situation with some respect for yourself or for the person that you're looking after? 
How can you give some dignity in this situation? How can you get creative in your solutions for, you know, the ideas around it? What can you do? So obviously I talk about how to empty your stress bucket. Having an empty stress bucket, this is really important. Having an empty stress bucket is not about having no stress in your life. Okay. So that is not what what I mean. What I mean by having an empty stress bucket is that when your stress bucket is empty, you have the capacity to deal with these important stresses in your life. If you've got a full stress bucket full of lots of negative thoughts and ruminations and negatively forecasting the future about, you know, from your past and you're reliving that, you know what, when a real stress comes along, a chronic illness, a terminal illness, then that's just going to make your stress bucket overflow. Whereas if you've got an empty stress bucket, you are going to deal with that stress. You're going to look at that stress, right? You have to stay very objective and rational. You're allowed to be emotional, don't get me wrong here. So you can be emotional, but you the perspective you want to come at from this is your what I call your intelligent brain, which is your left prefrontal cortex, the left side of your brain, which is rational and objective and can look at this situation for what it is and say, right, how I've got to cope with this. I've got to deal with this. I've got to manage this. But if your stress bucket is already full with lots of other residual stress from your past or general stress of life, when the real challenges of life come along, they're going to hit you even harder. Now, the reason I do the work I do now is not because I have seen lots of people with stress and they're really falling apart and I wish we could do something about it. Obviously it is. But the the main reason I do this work is because I've met so many people that I look at that have got such huge issues in their life, like illness, like bereavement, like things going on in their family, family breakdowns. And I look at them and they are doing really well. They are coping and managing because they've got other things in their life that they need to get on with. They've got kids to look after. They've got a job to go to and they still do that. They're doing that to the best of their ability. That's why I do this work. Because looking at those people, I'm like, what have you got? What can I bottle up here in you? And what can we spread to the rest of the world? Because there's no one listening to this podcast, me included, hosting the podcast, that has never had stress. We've all had it. But how those people that are dealing with it, that are getting through it, that are grieving healthily, that are doing all those things in a very objective, rational way, feeling their emotions and being human, because that's what being human is, feeling an emotion. If you can feel that emotion and accepting it for what it is, not avoiding it, accepting it, then that's who we need to study. That's who I really admire. And that's who I, I've always tried to be that kind of person. And that's what's kept me going. And I hope that's something that can keep you going. So this is what we, when there's no solution, you don't, you don't need to know the exact solution. Okay. You don't need to know. 
and like I said, the solution in some of these cases, well, oh, you know, I wish I wish this didn't exist. I wish I wish cancer didn't exist. I wish, um, you know, multiple sclerosis and, and chronic fatigue syndrome didn't exist. I wish I wish dementia and Alzheimer's didn't exist. I wish aging didn't exist. But these are all facts of life. How are we coping with them? How are we dealing with them? How are we managing them? And they're all going to touch us. I mean, the statistics now, I was shocked to read this, but one in two people, statistically one in two people will be have, will have a diagnosis of cancer. Now, I don't say that to scare you. It does. Yes, it does worry me. So that means we've got to be motivated to try and look after ourselves in many different ways, physically, mentally, spiritually. How can we do the best to lower that risk? in ourselves and our loved ones what can we do to look after ourselves so this this is looping into now self-care this is looping into now looking after your mental well-being your mental well-being often stops you looking after your physical well-being and vice versa you're a whole person so what are you going to do to try and reduce that risk and that that is a solution right there by solution i don't mean you know we're going to negate the the risk of cancer, your risk of cancer is going to go down to zero, but you're doing the best you can. You're coping and managing and dealing with it. And, and by doing those things, you're going to feel better. Look, I'm looking after myself. I'm trying to minimize my risk here. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop vaping. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to try and move a little bit more. All those things in that example that I'm talking about, the risk factors you know, what, what can we stop? And this comes from my work as my uh, as an optometrist, as an optician, when I used to see people like that, that slowly over time from stress, their blood pressure went up, their blood pressure went up, their mental health was also affected. They got run down, lack of motivation that then led to not eating very well, not moving very well, perpetuating more depression. And now we've got heart disease, risk of cancer more. And that feeds the cycle of stress so we've all had stress but it's about coping managing dealing with it what is going on in our lives so I empty stress buckets now to rid you of the residual stress so when when I help people privately one-to-one -one, what I'm doing is I'm saying right I'm going to take that stress away you know what in the weeks that you work with me that chronic illness isn't going to go away the, the aging parent you're looking after that you're really worried about isn't going to get younger and all of a sudden feel a lot healthier. But by emptying your bucket of residual stress, you're going to be able to deal with those situations better. And what often happens, what I often see is that when there is that stress going on as well, it can then spread out into other areas of your life. So, for example, someone who is, we call them the sandwich generation now, you know, I think a lot of people are in that place where they're looking after maybe aging and ill parents, and they're also looking after young children and teenagers with needs as well. And then that in, in between, and then they've got to work, and you know, do all the other things and normal in life, and look after themselves, and they're stuck in the middle there. So in that middle place, you're being pulled in all directions. If you've got all that stress, and it might be that, let, let, let's look at it this way. Let's say you've got absolutely fantastic children that are doing really, really well, but you're looking after aging parents and you're very worried about them. So that's the stress. That's the source of the stress. If your stress bucket is full and overflowing, guess what? You're, that's going to spread into maybe good areas of your life. Maybe that's going to affect your relationship with your children. Maybe you're going to feel like you can't be there for your children and then your children start to struggle in a way. 
Or maybe you stop looking after yourself physically and mentally and then you start to feel physically or mentally unwell. So often the source of the stress can will spread out into other areas of your life. You are a whole person after all. So when I help people with this kind of stress, what tends to happen is they tend to find better solutions that again help you cope and manage and deal with the situation. So I will give you an example. So and when I'll use that same example. Someone who is looking after an aging parent but has got quite a good home life and quite a good job. But now their work is starting to suffer because, you know, they're really worried about their parent and, you know, they're having to see to them and go look after their care or deal with care workers. You know, there's something going on there that is the source of stress. But it's now starting to affect their work. And then their home life is getting affected. Now the house is a mess and they really can't cope with what's going on at home and their kids are falling behind with their homework and now they're worried about their kids' exam results. When we empty the stress bucket, what happens is you start to get a bit more headspace. The primitive, irrational part of the brain calms down and you start to come up with solutions. So that person will then come up with a solution and it could be totally unrelated to the parent. They'll all, all of a sudden come up with a solution. They'll be like, Jim, you know what? I think I need to get a cleaner. Okay. I need to get a cleaner. Now that is, that is the solution to the stress because the one thing that's the knock-on effect of the stress is that, you know, they feel their house is totally disorganized and they're rushing around every day after work trying to clean it and they still need to look after their parent. You know what? I'm going to get a cleaner. When you're in the irrational primitive brain, you can't think like that. Everything is coming at you. One of the characteristics of the primitive brain is you're not creative because it's not an intellect, the primitive brain. It's not very innovative. It's very black and white. You're just then a rabbit in the headlights. You're in fight or flight or freeze in that part of the brain. You can't think of a solution. But if your stress bucket is emptying or emptier, you're going to come up with an idea. Well, you know what? I am going to get a cleaner and that'll take that away from me. It sounds simple maybe as I'm talking to you now, but really, you know this feeling when you're in the primitive brain, you can't see a way out. But having a cleaner will, one, free up a bit of your time, will, two, help you feel more organized when you walk into your home and it's clean and it's tidy. You're already taking some stress away. Maybe then you're going to start thinking, well, will I get a tutor? Or it will free up more time for you to help tutor your children. Or it will free up more time for you to travel to see your parents. Maybe you need to travel to see them further away. And that that's the part of the stress that you want to deal with. So everybody is different. But And so that's just an example. Can you see that what your brain will do is it will come up with ideas on how to cope with the stress, how to manage it. So, you know, ailing mum and dad, they're not going to get maybe any better, but at least you'll have the time. You'll have the time to then deal with things. How are you going to deal with carers? You know, that I know, I've heard people, it takes up so much time to put carers in place, talk to the doctors, talk to care homes if that's what you need to do. The solution comes from you. You're going to come up with this idea in sessions. Because we get your subconscious to work, because we empty the stress bucket, we're giving you rational, intelligent control back, you are going to come up with ideas. And you're going to come up with them naturally. This is how the brain works. So it's not something that we sit and thrash out in a session. 
But the purpose of the session is to get you to feel better, empty the stress bucket. By the end of the session, you will be in your, the, that's the most you're in your intelligent brain. And that's why often at the end of sessions, people are saying, oh, wow, I've come up with so many ideas, Jin. I'm, and you don't have to tell me those ideas. What you do is you go away in the week and you do them. And I look forward to seeing you next week when you've told me, Jin, the house is so much tidier. I'm loving it. I've got a cleaner and I spent a bit more time with my kids this week and I feel so good. You're going to come up with the solutions because that's what we do. We create the headspace for you to do that. So when you think that there is no solution, you're absolutely right. For some of these situations, there's no solution. As in, you're thinking the ultimate solution, but it is about coping and managing. So the next time you feel like this, I want you to think of, you can either think it, you can imagine it, or you can literally do it. I want you to do a, a list uh, in, with two headings. I want you to split your page down the middle. And at the first, in the first column, I want you to write down what the problem is. Now, I, don't, I need you to give a bit of detail here. In the, I don't want you to just write down, I've got anxiety. Um, so if you've got anxiety and your anxiety is stopping you doing something, that's what I want you to write down. What's your symptom? So often I'll have people with anxiety that will say, uh, right, Jen, I've got so much anxiety, I can't drive. I can't drive and I need to drive to see my parents. I need to get my kids dropped off and I'm, I've got so much anxiety. I'm very nervous about driving. I don't go to new places. So that's in the first column. So that's the detail of the problem, the, the symptom. And in the second column, we're going to put the solution. Now, the solution isn't just, I'm going to be able to drive. I want you to really go for it on the detail with the solution. The solution here is, I am driving to places I haven't been before. For example, the example I used, I'm going to see my parents in their care home. I am taking the kids to the new farm shop up the road. The, I've got a better relationship with the kids. We're going to go in the summer. We're going to do strawberry picking. I don't know. But can you see how the solution isn't just, right, I want to get rid of my anxiety and my life will be a lot better. Or even that I'm not driving and I'll be able to drive. It's the feeling it gives you. It's the knock-on effect that it's going to give you. So in our example of you know, my, uh, a loved one of mine has got a very serious illness and I'm not coping. That is in the first column of the detail of the problem. But the detail of the solution isn't that the, you know, yes, like I said, I, I absolutely wish they didn't have that illness. But if they have, what is the solution? How are you coping and managing and dealing with it the best you can? And what does that look like? The detail is, you'll be supporting your, in this example, you'll be supporting your partner. You'll be there for your partner. You're treasuring every day you've got with them. That's going to have a knock-on effect on maybe supporting your children or, or the extended family. You're going to be able to deal with things. There is the boring paperwork and things maybe you need to deal with, but you're going to deal with that. The knock-on effect on that is that you're eating properly. You're sleeping better. Maybe not absolutely the best, the better, but just better, just better quality sleep that you've got energy. You've then got energy to help the kids get to school. So if you're looking after an ill partner, the world carries on. You know what I mean? The kids still have to go to school. You've still got bills to pay, but how are you going to cope and manage with that? So that that's really important. Now, in sessions, like I said, we don't thrash out this problem. 
But we, we just create, give the brain some ideas to work on, especially for the relaxation part of our session. I want to give the brain something to work on. So I, I will give you an example of a client I saw quite a, a couple of years ago now. Um, and he was an elderly gentleman and he had depression. And I know uh, he's given me permission to share this story because he thought it was very interesting. But um, obviously, you know, I don't want to identify, but he has given me permission to share this story. So he had depression for, for a while. And what when we work on in solution-focused sessions, our doing picture, um, his doing picture once was, um, well, Jin, you know, I'd really love to, if I woke up feeling a bit better tomorrow, I would really love to, to wake up and then read my newspaper cover to cover because that's what I always used to do and I feel like you know that's getting the old me back so he really felt like he used to go through the paper um, cover to cover uh, in the morning that was one of his things that part of his routine that he used to do you know re and he really he used to get a newspaper delivered uh, so sounds sounds more old-fashioned now but you know I, I still love something in print and he goes oh you, you know I used to read that cover to cover I mean, he goes I'm not doing that anymore I said, oh, that's a lovely doing picture. And he said, oh, I'd feel brilliant if I could do that. And it, it would make me feel that, you know, up to date with current affairs, which he really enjoyed, actually. He goes, but I, I do want to get back into that. And that was fine. We finished our session. Uh, and the following week, he we he started the session with, oh, oh, Jen, I just need to say, I think I'll let you down. And I said, well, what do you mean you let me down? And he said, oh, I just want to say, you know, when we worked last week on that, picture of getting up and reading the newspaper he goes I didn't do that that didn't happen this week and I said look that's absolutely fine that, that's not I wasn't going to ask you you've offered that but I wasn't going to ask you it's not a problem why don't you tell me what has been good about the week so um because I'll never ask you it's that that idea of your doing picture is just an idea for your subconscious to work with. So we started talking about what's been good about the week. And he said, oh, well, you know, I did this, I did that. He goes, oh, Jen, well, actually I, I did. I, I got up um, one day this week and I, I, you know what I did, Jen? He goes, I had a shower and I had some lovely toast and marmalade by eight o'clock in the morning. He goes, oh, it was brilliant. He goes, and that was another thing he hadn't done as well. He goes, oh, it was lovely. So he goes, I felt really proud of myself. He goes, it might sound funny, Jean, but I felt very proud of myself that I got up by eight o'clock. I, I was having my toast and my marmalade uh, and I really loved that. I really enjoyed it. And I said, well done. And I expanded on that by saying to reassure him that that is brilliant because if you've ever had depression, you will know just getting out of bed is a chore. His brain was not ready for reading the newspaper cover to cover. But what it was ready for was getting up and having breakfast. Can, can you see what was happening there? He still improved. His depression symptoms were going down. He didn't even realise. He was so fixated on, I've got to read the newspaper cover to cover, that he didn't even realise that actually he was already making an improvement. He was already doing that. And I was just saying, oh, that's brilliant. Well done. He was laughing at me. He goes, oh, Jane, it was just toast and marmalade. And I just got up. I said, well, you weren't doing it before and you're doing it now. So he thought his solution was getting up and reading the paper news, uh, newspaper cover to cover. But actually, his brain was ready for the solution of I need to get up and have a shower and have some breakfast. And to me, that was far more valuable, far more valuable. So sometimes we don't know what the solution is. And you don't have to. You don't have to know what the solution is. 
when you come for solution-focused therapy, when I ask you that, and a lot of people are under that impression, well, Jen, I don't know what the solution is, so I don't think I can see you. That is not what we're about here. What the, the solution is that you want to feel better. You want to feel different. The solution is you don't want these symptoms anymore. You don't want to feel this way anymore. You don't want to feel anxious. You don't want to feel depressed. You want something else. That something else will come. But I want you to feel that you do want something else. I want you to feel that with passion. I want you to come from a place of desire, not desperation here. That you desperately, desperately want something. Sometimes that's a little bit too obsessive, actually but you're actually excited to work with a therapist. You are excited about, yep, this is the day that I change everything. This is the time I wanna do something different. So when there seems like there's no solution, you're absolutely right. In, in some of these cases, there's no absolute solution, but there is a way to cope, deal and manage with this. Whatever you focus on, you know what? There might be another solution for you out there. But if you had the headspace to do that, if you could allow your imagination and your subconscious to flow, to get into the default mode network, that's what we do in sessions. The default mode network has got a huge capacity for problem solving, for some self-reflection. It will come up with ideas. That's the little secretary of the back of your brain doing really, really good work. You don't know what the solution is. There might seem like there's no solution. That is coming, that is from the primitive brain when there's no solution. Very black and white about it. But you are going to cope and you are going to manage. And you are going to deal with it the best way you can. And that will allow you more headspace to carry on doing all those important things in life that still need doing. The bills still need paying. The kids still need looking after. The laundry still needs doing. Look at what you can control and accept what you cannot. There's a difference between acceptance and avoidance. So I'm going to refer you to a couple of episodes that we've done on this. In season one, episode 21, we've done the bar of control. Looking at what you can control and what you can't and looking for your easy wins in control. And season four, episode one, we did an, uh, an episode there on acceptance versus avoidance, two very different things. I hope today's episode has helped you. I hope it's made you think and I hope it's made you, helped you appreciate, you know, that solution focused work isn't all about being positive, you know, and oh, absolutely happy and it's not toxic positivity. Solution focused means how are we going to cope and manage just like all those people I see and I bet you know people who you can just, they're so admirable, admirable. you know, they just, oh, you they so we call them brave and courageous and we see them doing these things and coping and managing how are they doing it let's try and bottle that up but that's where it comes from it comes from that attitude that attitude of i will handle it whatever comes along i will handle it because that is when the fear kicks in often your fear is not around the event itself your fear is i won't be able to handle this I am going to fall apart. If you can have that as a mantra, I will handle this. Whatever comes, I will handle it. That will limit what goes into your stress bucket in the first place. Never mind emptying. It will limit what you won't be putting as much into your stress bucket. Now, we're doing 
lots of stuff over in my Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, please, please come to my Facebook group. We're doing lots of stuff in there. I've had a bit of a reset in there, in that over the last few weeks. And I'm really looking to do more stuff over there. So if you're on Facebook, please come over there. It's a great community. I kick out anyone who is toxically positive. I kick out anyone who's not supportive of other people. I really keep a check on it. It's a place where you can, I don't want to say lurk. Let's use, let's reframe that word. You can secretly admire. <laughs> but it's a place where you don't have to get involved. But I am in there on videos. There's a lot of other people in there. There's some like ex-clients in there. And there's lots of other people in there. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about stress. We're talking about what is going on in primitive brain. And we're talking about solution-focused techniques. So please come along to the Facebook group if you're on there. The link is in the show notes as well. If not, just search for how to empty your stress bucket. Um, that, that's the group that's on there. It's, it's a visible group that you'll see it, but it's private. No one can see our comments. No one can see what we're talking about. And there is a private group. I hope today's episode has helped you. And for those people who've sent in that question over the last few weeks, thank you for such a valuable question. And I hope that in a small way, I've been able to answer it and help you today. Until next time, take care. Bye for now.